Who is the gospel for? Well, according to scripture, it's for just about everybody in the world. The sheer magnitude of the task charged to us Christians can be overwhelming. But Jesus gives us a precious promise that continues to fuel us today. Join us for Brian's conclusion, where he talks about the magnitude and the promise of the Great Commission. Welcome to FDC. Hey, uh, so this is my last session with you guys. I know. Last, yeah. I'm gone. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, follow me on TikTok, I guess, right? <laughs> I haven't posted in months, so. Uh, hey, uh, I yeah, I just want to say thanks. Like, this has been fun. I love you guys. This has been so fun. Uh, it's been a blast being with uh, SC, USC, um, and San Diego State, which, can we be honest? Like, San Diego State, y'all have, like, the best football team in the room. <laughs> Like that's just that's just facts. And, and in my defense, all we got is flag football, and we might be the second best team. Uh, let's go on. Uh, hey, I want to say one thing. I forgot. I didn't really finish my talk this morning. Can I finish real quick? Yeah. So I gave you like two teas. Yeah. Some of y'all are like, yes, you did, right? Others of you are like, I don't care. Um, like, I listen, that's how I listen. I'm like, you just tell me what you want to say, right? And some people are like, if you said three, you better deliver three. So, um, so we talked about, so let me just do a recap. So the first, uh, first session, we talked, uh, we're talking about the Great Commission, right? This is Jesus's Great Commission. Uh, this is the last thing he said before he, before he, uh, uh, before he ascended up into heaven. It was just a big deal, right? The last words of somebody, especially when they've had time to think about them, uh, I don't know what my last words are going to be, but I hope it's something epic, right? Instead of like, I don't know, the jello was bad. You know, I don't know. Uh, so uh, Jesus' last words, like these are very intentional words. And he said, go make disciples, right? Like, so this is, a, this is a great hype talk. And so we're looking at this. And what we saw are first are the people that were engaged um, at this last moment. He brought his disciples to him. And so we looked at the men. And what was significant about the men? Nothing. Nothing. Except for they had been with Jesus, right? The master is what made all the difference. And so the men followed the master, and when you look at the master, they followed the master by, by committing to follow him, right? There's a commitment. There was the communication with the master, that relationship with God. And then there was the community that the master put him into. And so that, that's what the master, Jesus, uh, did for, the, for the, the, the men. And then we looked at the, uh, the mandate. The mandate was to go be active, go make disciples, and then we looked at the method, what that looks like to make disciples. So there's a trajectory, there's a plan, there's a goal. We're going somewhere. Uh, we looked at the, the circle, uh, evangelism, establishing, equipping, and then extending. Uh, so there's a trajectory. And as we have this trajectory, there's a transformation that happens. So as we participate in discipleship, 
there's a transformation. And I, I think you know that, right? Like, uh, um, I, I talked about my time with the wrestling team. Um, <laughs> Every time I go in there, I'm like convicted. Right? I see these guys and they have been transformed, right? And a lot of times, transformation, what transformation does, and it's really cool, like it encourages other people's transformation. Like it, when you see somebody transform something that they like are into and you're like, man, that looks cool. Or uh, if you like have a friend that's a runner and they're like, hey, come with me, right? It encourages other people's transformation. Um, I remember uh, I ran for a little bit. Um, and uh, I got really serious. I actually ran a marathon. Actually, my joke is I ran two marathons, my first and my last. Get it? Uh, so uh, this was after uh, my sister, um, she was like, hey, let's do this turkey trot. And have you ever heard of a turkey trot? It's like this corny race you do on Thanksgiving, right? Like you're, I don't know, using some calories to get ready for the Thanksgiving. And so, uh, so on Thanksgiving morning, we did this turkey trot. And I was like, cool, sis, I'll do it with you. And so it was like a, it was a five-mile race, right? And I thought, let me prep by running two miles a week before. Uh, so we, they fired the gun. And I ran cross-country in high school for one year, and then I realized it was a lot of running. And <laughs> so uh, they, they, they start us off, and I'm on this turkey trot, right? And uh, we're running, we're running, and I'm doing all right. And I, I, if you've ever run in one of these uh, races, like there's like pools of people, right? And I'm looking and I'm like, I belong with this group. I know how I look, but I belong with this group, right? So I'm picking this, this group. They look athletic. And so uh, I'm with this group, and we're running, we're running, we're running, and we're feeling good, right? And then after half a mile, I get a little winded, right? And so I pick another group. <laughs> we're running, we're running, we're running. And after another half mile, I'm like, uh, another group, right? Keep picking these groups. Finally, like... We're, this is like halfway through the race, and I'm realizing, like, I am, I'm not at peak Brian. Uh, so I, I literally, y'all, I get passed, I get passed by a girl in jeans. <laughs> like, she woke up that morning and thought, oh, is that a race? Why don't I just go do this? And she passed me. And I passed her, and then she passed me, and I never saw her again. Um, <laughs> then I get passed, <laughs> it gets worse. Then I get passed by a, a lady pushing a stroller. <laughs> she's got weight with her, like she's got this stroller. Then, then I get passed by this like 80 year old dude um, who's being led by someone else. Like, uh, and he looks like, I, like, I don't know what, like, he just passes me. But then I'm like, no, this is my, this is my limit. <laughs> he looks, he's probably a veteran or something. But no. <laughs> so I, like, hurt myself to finish the race before this guy. And it was close, but I made it. So after that, I realized, you know what? I, I got some work to do. And so I signed up for a marathon. And like that, like seeing all these transformed people challenged me to transform myself, at least for a little bit. 
Um, transformation, right, encourages other people. And when, when people see you as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you really live it out in a genuine way, when you live it out in a real, genuine way, that is, that is attractive. That, that looks good. When you live it out, not in a judgy, legalistic way, but in a genuine, loving way. Jesus said by this, all men will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Transformation. Transformation uh, is beautiful. And so uh, the method is a trajectory. Have a plan. Uh, grow in, in your transformation. And then team is the third T there. Team. Be a part of a team. Be a part of a team. That's the method. Um, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he never sent them out solo. He always said squad. That's, like, that's just how Jesus sends them out. Never solo. Uh, always two by two. Um, team is so crucial. Um, so that's the method. Now we're going to keep going. The magnitude. So we're, we're going to keep going in this verse, uh, in this little passage. The magnitude says of all nations. And I'm not going to land very long on this one, but it's one of my favorites. And so I'm going to touch it just a little bit. So um, when we talk about all nations, you've got to know, and um, if you're at USC and you, were, um, you saw the, the traveling team last week, if you, if you came to the meeting, um, you saw like God's heart, right? Jake and Amber were there. Anybody remember that? And you saw God's heart for the nations. They, they, they walk through, right? From, from Genesis to Revelation, you see like God has this global agenda. And man, that was one of the most impactful things uh, that I saw in my life. Um, when when uh, I told you at the very beginning that hot girl gave me a book to read, <laughs> and the book talked about God's heart for the nations from the very beginning of the Bible to the end. And talked about how God cared about not just me, and my people and the people around me, but God cares for the whole world, all ethnicities, all nations. And so uh, Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory, glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How do the waters cover the sea? Fully, completely, if it ain't water, it ain't sea, right? Like this is how waters cover the sea. And so this verse is saying, this is a promise. This is pointing to, to what's going to happen. People all over the world will know God. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. But right now it doesn't look like that. If you look at a map of the world right now, um, the, the green areas or the blue areas is where Christianity is. So in, in the Americas, there's a lot of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. In the green and yellow areas, that's where uh, Christianity just is kind of missing right now. And so you could block in a part of the world we kind of nicknamed the 1040 window, the 10 degrees latitude, 40 degrees latitude. And that's where most of, of the people who don't have access to knowing who Jesus is uh, live right now. But what we know is God's plan is to reach all these people, and that's cool. Like, uh, we see this at the end of the book, uh, end of the Bible, Revelation 7, 9, John is writing, this is prophetic. It's looking towards the end, and he says, I, I saw a great multitude that no one could count. Look where they're from. Isn't that cool? They're from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the, the throne and before the Lamb. This is where God's headed. This is the magnitude of his commission, and it is huge. And it is amazing. And I, I challenge you to try to find something bigger to give your life to because you can't. 
This is the biggest thing you could give your life to, joining with God in his task to reach the world. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can do that by praying for people um, overseas, supporting, sending people that are going overseas. You can do that by welcoming people who are coming here from, from, those, from those countries. And, and you can do that by actually going. Um, in college, um, let me just, okay, let me, yeah, let me tell you a story. I guess that's all I'm doing. Uh, so we grew up in a really cool family. Like my, my parents, um, my parents got discipled in a way a lot of, a lot of people don't get discipled in church. They had, they had a young family. He was a medical doctor in our town. And uh, so he was a doctor, Ted and Judy. And uh, they, uh, they met my parents uh, at this church in Oklahoma. And they realized that my parents were Christian, but they just didn't really have habits or rhythms or routines. They didn't have any ways to really follow Jesus. And so, um, so they just began to teach him how to do simple things, like how to read the Bible on a consistent basis, um, how to memorize scripture uh, and like put it in a little verse pack. And so my mom, when I was like in third grade, she wrote the first cards <laughs> that I ever had um, and helped me memorize scripture. Um, my parents would just learn stuff and pass it on to me and my sister. And so when we got to college, we started learning about God's heart for the world. And we, uh, we thought, hey, my, my parents, they, they follow Jesus. I remember my dad, um, he was a deacon in our church. I remember I wrestled in high school, and I remember my dad um, uh, sharing the gospel with my wrestling coach. He was a Buddhist, my wrestling coach was. And my dad was on the bus talking to my wrestling coach about who Jesus was and how he could have a relationship with Jesus. So that's a picture of my parents. So when my sister was a freshman, she called my dad and said, hey, uh, can, I, can I go on a trip like you just heard about to Central Asia and uh, share the gospel with, with Muslims? Tell, tell Muslims how they can have a relationship with Jesus. And we were shocked when my Deacon dad, Christian dad, said no. He said, actually, the, the only way that you can go overseas like that is, is if you get married. <laughs> so she's like, what? She's, he, my dad said, here's, here's his reasoning. Um, it's my job to protect you. And if you go overseas, like, I can't protect you there. And I'm like, dad, she's like an hour away at college. Like, where does your barrier of protection stop? <laughs> Like the Arkansas border, or like what is? And um, so my sister's like, "We'll set it up, Dad." Uh, um, so yeah, we we just begin to pray for my parents, and we begin to begin to pray that, that God would help them see the magnitude of Jesus' uh, great commission, that God loves more than just us. Like He has this global view of the world that God sees all peoples, and He wants us to participate with Him and reaching all peoples. And so we began to pray. And um, so I went to a conference like this. It was a men's conference, uh, though. That's the only difference. So a lot of beards and um, manly men things. So um, it was me and my dad. And we went to this men's conference. And um, well, let me me go before that. Uh, So I had joined staff with the ministry in Oklahoma, just like this. And uh, I, uh, I worked with a guy named Max, legendary guy. 
And my parents knew Max, loved Max. One of the reasons I went to OU was because Max was there. My parents liked Max, right? So um, I, I, I was working with Max, and I said, Mom, Dad, guess what? Max is leading a trip to Cambodia. If Tanya goes with Max, like, you can, like, give him your baton of protection or something. Is there, like, a ceremony to transfer that, or how does that work, right? And so, so Tanya, my sister, went with Max to Cambodia, which was awesome. They had a great experience. And, um, um, and so, yeah, like, it was a great, great, great time. They came back. Uh, Max protected, I guess, or whatever. And, uh, and so then that next, that, next, uh, that next fall, went to a conference just like this. And um, the main speaker of the conference, guess who it was? Max, yeah. Max gets up, and what he does is he walks through the Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation and talks about God's heart for the nation and talks about how God is this global God, how he cares about the world, how he wants us to partner with him in that. And then he shared the story of when they were in Cambodia. And he said, when we were in Cambodia, it was a trip my sister was on. And my dad, by the way, was with me at this conference. (laughs) So he heard all this stuff. I'm like, what's he, I don't know, I'm a little nervous. Uh, so Max says, um, when, when I was in Cambodia, uh, I, we, we talked to this missionary, we met this missionary, and um, uh, they told us of a story of one region of this, the country uh, where this missionary had been for a while, and that this missionary was leaving. And, and as the missionary was leaving, the people there said, you can't leave, please don't leave. Because if you leave, who's going to tell us about Jesus? And Max, like, in the missionary, they, like, they knew the answer. And the, the missionary said, no one. <laughs> so there was just no one in that region, no one for those people. And um, so Max is telling a story. And then he says to this group of dads, like this men's conference, he says, I've been working with college students for decades. He says, the number one thing that holds back college students from going overseas our Christian parents. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> I looked back. These guys are like bawling, kind of look like a women's conference. And so, hey. Is that, sorry. And uh, my dad actually left. I didn't know he was leaving. Like, I had to find a ride home. <laughs> But on the way home, he called my sister, and he told, he told her what he just heard. And he said, Tanya, um, here's the story. Um, wherever you want to go, I'll say yes. So she took him up on it. <laughs> she said, can I go to India for a year? And so here's a picture of uh, my sister in India. It's her birthday today, by the way. Um, She's in pink, and uh, Crystal is in the, I don't know, turquoise? I love that color, by the way. Uh, Turquoise, um, that's a girl she discipled in college. And so my sister discipled this girl, and then they both went, and they started this work in India. Um, It was an organization that teaches English, but then also, as they teach English, they talk about their faith as well. The group still exists. They're still on, like, they, they helped launch it, and it's still there today. Here's the cool thing about this picture. Um, my mom and dad are both school teachers, and so they have this thing called spring break. 
and they didn't waste their spring break. Uh, they used it as an opportunity to learn and grow, and uh, they used it as an opportunity to visit their daughter in India. So my dad and mom, they had to get their uh, visa or their passports for the first time ever. Um, they, uh, but then they, they went and visited the, my sister's team, and when they were there, the, um, the team wouldn't let them just come hang out. Like, they put them to work. So check this out. My dad was like, he's like a, a football coach. Like, if you've ever seen Friday Night Lights, that's my dad. Um, and so he gets over there, and they're like, hey, you do an American football clinic for us. And so he does, and he's like, man, in India, there's a lot of wide receivers, not a lot of linemen. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, my mom, she's a home ec or a food science teacher. And so uh, she taught them how to make an American meal, spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) But they begin to see that God has this big lens to see the world through. That it's not just about us, but God's a global God. He's not just a God for a few select people in the world. It's this global religion. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that's the magnitude of this commission. And the last thing is just this. Uh, And I am so disappointed. Um, We've got, got the men, the master, the mandate, the method, the magnitude, and then the promise. Oh, I just don't know an M that fits there. I don't know, like, work on it with me. I don't know. The promise. Yeah, just really. (laughs) Miss! It's the closest we got. Here's the promise. Jesus says, and behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Um, I've heard this statement before. Um, there's no safer place than the center of God's will. There's no safer place than the center of God's will. But if you're reading scripture, I'm like, hey, uh, Stephen gets stoned in the center of God's will. Um, There's a lot of people that don't do well. (laughs) Uh, You know, Jesus dies (laughs) on the cross. It doesn't seem like a very safe place. And let me say this. Jesus never promises protection, but he promises his presence. He doesn't promise protection, but he promises his presence. So in this last thing, the promise is super crucial. He says, I am with you always. He promises his presence, and we need that. If you're a follower of Christ, um, Jesus promises a lot of stuff that that maybe is not um, attractive. Uh, So Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Have you guys heard of the Beatitudes? Um, Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the... He lands on verse 10, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted, and then he gives a little sermonette. This is the longest of the Beatitudes. 
Now, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way that persecuted the prophets who are before you. Philippians 1.9 says, for you it has been granted, given, it's like a present to, for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, which is great, we love that, but also to suffer for his sake. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, uh, Just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so our comfort is abundant through Christ. And John 15.18 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Jesus promises his presence, and we need that. Because this is where he's sending us. And if you, if you look at that map we just talked about, the map of the world, and where, where, um, where the needs, where we need to get the gospel to, where we need to get the message, the story of Jesus to, if you look at those, so, so get that like picture, the yellow and the light green areas in your mind, here is, I'm going to overlay this next map, and this is a, a human suffering index. This is where most of the people in the world are suffering right now, um, whether through malnutrition or different things, um, persecution. You see that? What do you notice? The places, some of the places that have, have the most suffering in the world are the places that we need to send the message of Jesus to the most. And if we go or if we send people, there will be suffering. It will not be easy. And so that's why we need this promise. Jesus says, I will be with you always. So let me give you three Ps and we'll be done. So first, as we think of this promise, we need to persevere in this promise. Persevere in this promise. Jesus, he promises his presence and that. I think that lets us persevere. One of my favorite verses in the world, absolute favorite, is 1 Corinthians 15, 8. It says, finally, brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. So stand firm means like persevere. Uh, stand firm. Be a lifelong learner of this book. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Uh, the next, uh, let nothing move you. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Um, persevere in this book, persevere in this faith. Know that uh, persecution is promised, suffering is promised, but Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Um, persevere in this, um, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me just say this. Uh, I love uh, discipleship. I love investing in people because I can see transformation. But sometimes what you don't see is the rest of the story, the rest of the transformation. Um, and so let me, let me tell you how that works. So I have a buddy named Darren. And he was telling me about his grandparents. Um, three of four of his grandparents grew up in like super like um, anti, I would say anti-Christian homes. Like they just like... Only one of his grandparents grew up in, in the Christian home. The rest of them didn't. Um, but they all have these really cool stories of how they came to faith. Um, <laughs> one of his sets of grandparents, uh, 
uh, let's see, how did it happen? Um, well, one person like came to faith and like led, it was the dude, and he, um, he like met the, this woman and like she, she came to Christ like right about the same time. And they were like, hey, what's up? You know, what's up, right? Uh, but the guy was like, hey, um, so sorry. No, it was, it was his grandmother. She was like, so sorry, I'm on my way to Brazil to be a missionary. So if you want to date me, you're going to have to come to Brazil. <laughs> so she leaves for Brazil. Dude gets a boat ticket, <laughs> goes to Brazil, can't find her. Like, she told him what dog to meet at. <laughs> Literally, on the way down, the people that he's sitting by, like, he shares the, the message of Jesus with the gospel with, and they're like, yeah, we want that. They come to Christ. So he stays with them, goes back to the dock, um, and after, like, a couple of weeks of, like, showing up, finally sees her. <laughs> They get married. <laughs> Thank goodness, right? <laughs> it's a deep investment. That guy's invested. So uh, they get married. Um, his other uh, set, uh, other other um, grandparents. Uh, really cool story. Came uh, they're pastors and something. Or he's a pastor. And so at a family reunion, Dar- Darren was telling me, and they were counting up how many people of this family reunion, grandparents, uh, children, uh, great grand- grandchildren, great grandchildren. Uh, and he said, uh, out of like, I think it was like 96 people at this thing, uh, 92 of them were, were followers of Christ. 92, or, or kids like pointed that direction. 92 out of 96. Discipleship is beautiful because discipleship changes family trees. Think about it. The people, the freshmen, you're, some of y'all are freshmen, right? And somebody's investing in you right now. And that, man... You're going to change the way they relate to, um, to you know, the, the way they date, <laughs> the, the way they look for um, friends, the way they do church, um, the, the way that they raise their kids are going to be changed because of, of this book, because of the discipleship that you invest in them. You're not just changing one life. You're changing family trees. <laughs> That's amazing. The, the amount of impact is something that we, we can't even fathom, can't even see. It's not just the people that they're going to invest in, but it's also like entire legacies, family trees. So, so persevere in this. Persevere in this. Persevere in this because it's, um, man, it's worth it. The perseverance will change family trees. So persevere uh, in, in this. Know that God is with you. I will be with, with you always. Persevere in this. It'll change family trees. Uh, the number two, so P, perseverance. The second P, of the promise, a lot of peace, uh, presence. So as we persevere, this promise reminds us of Jesus' presence. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you. Um, we need to persevere in presence, knowing the presence of God. Um, I just want to share this one quick thing with, uh, the, I, I heard this from Neil, like, gosh, like, like 15 to 20 years ago, somewhere in that range. And I've never forgot it. And I'm so glad that God brought him in my life at this moment to hear this phrase because I've really lived this out. Um, Neil told us in ministry, he said four things, diverge daily. So every day, diverge. And what that means is you spend some time in the Bible every day. 
Spend some time in the Word and prayer. So diverge daily. This is a rhythm for your life so that you can experience God's presence. Diverge daily. Withdraw weekly. So what I do is once a week, um, usually on a Saturday morning or a Sunday evening, I spend just a little more time than I usually do. Um, and I, I take some time and I write out like some, maybe some prayer requests for the week. I maybe write some reflections, what's, what's going on that week. So I withdraw every week. Move out monthly. So once a month, okay, this is going to be corny. You ready? Once a month, I do dope. Day of prayer and evangelism. <laughs> some of y'all are like, dope. Uh, day of prayer, see, it's an acronym, and evangelism. So I, I do a day of prayer and evangelism once a month. So uh, what that looks like for me is on a, usually it's a Friday morning. Um, I will get uh, like, out into like some kind of country-ish area. Uh, it's a park. Um, <laughs> we're Riverside. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll like try to like get by myself and I'll spend like usually a morning, if I can, a full day of uh, praying and evaluating for uh, over the last month. And then the last one is escape annually. And once a year, I try in the summer to take uh, a full couple days, and I just write, I take a little moleskin journal, and I write, I call it the state of my soul. Sounds so corny, but like, like, I don't know, spiritual, maybe. uh, But I just write, hey, here's what's going on in my soul right now, and I just kind of process. So those rhythms help me experience God's presence. And so diverge daily, move out monthly, or withdraw weekly, move out monthly, and escape annually. So... As we understand the promise, I will be with you always. Build that habit. Build some rhythms in your life of, of, of experiencing the presence of God. And the last thing is just this. Um, partnership. Partnership. Man, partnership. Jesus says, lo, I'm with you. And he's saying it to a group of 11 people. So let's not forget that. He says, I'm with you always. There's so much community in the Bible. There's so much team in the Bible. Uh, We looked at this. um, The the master puts these men into community. Uh, There's so much community in the Bible. Uh, When you persevere in in faith in the presence of God, he provides partnership with himself, with God, right? But also with others. Um, Also with others. So, um, man, it is worth Partnership. Check this out. Uh, Acts fifth or Acts. What is it? Eighteen. Eighteen. Or Acts twenty. Acts twenty. This is Paul. So Paul's a dude that travels and preaches all over the. Wrote, writes a lot of the Bible. Um, it says in Acts twenty. This is a cool little like little side note thing. Acts twenty verse four. It says he Paul was accompanied by. Now check this out. By Sopatar, son of. Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus, some cool names, and Secundus from Thessalonica, if you're looking for kids' names, uh, Secundus, what's up, Secundus, Aristarchus, what's up, Ari? Uh, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, and one of my favorites, Tychicus, oh, such a solid name, and Trophimus, Trophy, uh, from the province of Asia. Listen to that squad, though. That's how Paul rolls. Like, he has team. He has partners. 
Knowing the presence of God also connects us with others. He says, I am with you together always. Um, I am with you always. We don't get this because in our language, you, we, we have a plural you and a singular you, but it's the same word, right? If I say like, hey, you, uh, y'all are like, but in the South, they do. They have y'all. <laughs> Y'all, such a great word, because this would be, um, behold, I am with (laughs) y'all, always. It's beautiful. There's this partnership. So we want to develop this idea, this understanding of partnership. As you do this, understand this, um, it goes two ways. you You can have this partnership, this relationship with people above you, that are investing in you, and then people that you're investing in. Does that make sense? You have some great, let me just encourage you, you have some great people that you can learn from. Y'all have some great people at San Diego, USC, that you can learn from. Um, I was just thinking about this. USC, right? Historic college, am I right? You got like Tommy, right, like hanging out, just... V and Tommy, uh, you got like, there's some like epic like names, memorial, like you got Pete Carroll, right? Remember that? Remember when football was good? Uh, no, it's real. Uh, so like you've got these legacies. Think about these legacies, right? Like you've got Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, legacies, Aunt Becky. Uh, you've got these like... <laughs> <laughs> names that are forever attached to us. Um, so you've got these like historic Hall of Fame kind of people. But let me tell you what, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God, I think things are, I think, I think the Hall of Fame, I think in the eyes of God, well, first Jesus, but um, I think when you look at USC, you've got like Dallas Willard, you got like Neil Walker, you got Aaron Gillen, you got some really amazing people that you guys can learn from. Stick with these people. <laughs> Stick with these people. Um, Stick with these people. Learn from these people. Um, I, I would say when I think of partnerships in my life, I look to people um, that have invested in me that I've gr- grown from and learned from. And like Neil's one of those. I'm, I'm at CBU for 13 years. Because see, Neil's been at USC for like 130, right? <laughs> like, like, I can keep on going. I can, I can do this. It's hard to persevere. And so that's why we need team. We need partnership. Because it's hard to persevere at times. And so let me, let me just show you, like, I think this is cool. I'm going to show you the whole, all the talks together. And I think they kind of fit. Kind of. I forced some. But. So here's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. So the men are transformed by the master, all right? And the master, are, we, we, he becomes master because we commit to following him. There's a communication with the master that results in community we build with other people. Then the master gives us a method, a way of making disciples. He has a trajectory, a plan, a direction. And this trajectory results in transformation of lives. And this transformation puts us with a team of people, right? And then he gives us a promise. 
that he'll be with us always. And the promise helps us persevere because I know I can persevere when I've got Jesus with me for all of this stuff, right? I can persevere because I have his presence with me. And I can persevere because I'm in partnership with other people. Then it works like uh, across the top too. Check this out. Uh, We commit to following Jesus. And that commitment to following Jesus gives us a trajectory. uh, A trajectory that, that, that we can look to him, look to his example and his trajectory and his path. And we can adopt that. And that trajectory gives us something to persevere in. And that thing is making disciples. That's what we persevere in. We communicate with God. We have this relationship with God that we hear from him and his word. And we speak to him through prayer. And this communication leads to what? <laughs> Transformation. And as we're transformed, we know we, we experience deeper and deeper God's presence in our lives. And then finally, he puts us in this community <laughs> that gives us a team that gives us lifelong partners that we can lock arms with. Um, I think about my life and in COVID, it was hard at times, but I'm texting and I'm messaging and I've got people from like all walks of life that I've been able to invest in that have invested in me, that I have partners running the same race. And even if they're in uh, Georgia or Washington or Oklahoma, I've got people that are running the same direction, that are partners. That's a beautiful thing. So I want to challenge you to to obey Jesus' great commission by making him Lord of your life, by committing to him, uh, by, by communing with him, and then being a part of a team looking for people to invest in you and looking for how you can invest in others. This can be a scary thing at times. And here's what I mean by that. Like, it, like to think I'm like investing in someone's life or it's like, it's super, uh, it's scary. And when you think about where you could go, like some of you, I, I know we're like considering, you know, what if I did this overseas? What if I went to some of these like places that don't have access to knowing who Jesus is? And that is scary. Some of you are thinking, man, I, I'm thinking of going to some of these other areas in the States that, that need, that there, there's needs in these, some of these areas. And, and it might be scary. And it, it kind of feels like, I don't know if you have done this, but I, like, if you remember this, but I remember the first roller coaster I ever went on. Uh, do, you, do you guys remember the first roller coaster? I was, like, uh, I was, the first roller coaster I ever went on, it was in Oklahoma City, a place known for roller coasters. <laughs> no. It, just to let you know, like it was, it was indoors. <laughs> yeah, right? So, but it was, they turned out all the lights and they called it the nightmare. So that's scary, right? Yeah. And there's a little warehouse thing. Um, but I was scared. I, I was terrified. I'd never done this before. It's like 29. Uh, no, no. I was like 12 years old, right? Like sixth grade. And I'm on this roller coaster. And I'm, uh, I'm little Brian. Like I'm a little nervous, right? And so the roller coasters, right, they, they don't mess around. Like they're, from the very beginning, it's going straight up. Like tick, 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 right? And so I'm on this roller coaster. And it's going straight up. Tick, 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 tick. And... Uh, and so I'm, I'm like nervous, and I'm seeing the top. And then I start, my mind just starts, I'm in my head. So I, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder 
I wonder if there's another side, right? Because all I can see is this side, and it's possible that bolts could have un, like come out and the track could have fell down. Tick, 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 tick. That's probably what happened. So I need to tell someone. So I start screaming, stop the roller coaster, we're all gonna die. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. No one stops, no one listens. I see these two platforms at the top. And I just think, you know what? I'm going to dive on these platforms. And I'm going to save my life, even though my friends, you know, it's too bad. So I tried to like wiggle out and luckily they locked me in good. <laughs> so I couldn't get out. And then, then, tick, tick, tick. Then I hear the sound and it was like the scariest sound in the world. It was just silence. And we kind of come back and then it pushes over the, over the edge. And at that point, it was like the scariest but most amazing experience of my life, <laughs> right? Like uh, uh, my, my stomach goes like out and in and like a like, little throw up comes in my mouth and I swallow back down and like we're going in circles and upside down. And like at the end, we're all like high-fiving each other, me and my buddies. And what we do for the rest of the day is get off the ride and try to cut. And when they push us back, we just get in line and we just keep going the whole day because it was so awesome. And I think that's what following Jesus is like. It's scary to think, man, this is, this is a big calling. Jesus says, like, when, when you're thinking of doing this, count the cost. But it's the most amazing experience of your life. I felt like I was at the top of a roller coaster a few years ago. Um, it was me and my sister at an airport. And uh, we, we were holding each other and bawling at this airport as we watched my mom and my dad get on a plane with their suitcase and all their stuff. They had sold their house, they had quit their jobs, and they'd signed up with a mission agency to go to India. And they went uh, for three years, they, they taught English, or they taught my dad like he was a, a school teacher here, and so he led a, a, a school over there. Um, and he leveraged his life. And I asked him, Dad, like, is this like a second career thing? Like, you feel strong, you can keep doing stuff. And he said, no, actually, I just don't know how much life I have left. And I want to use the rest of it for the sake of God among the nations. It's worth it. It's worth it. Let me pray for you. God, you are good, and um, some of us, some of us are experiencing that. Some of us are, are looking into that, and I, I just pray that wherever people are at right now, that they would begin to see your goodness. Um, God, we know you're not safe, um, but we know that you promise your presence. And so, whatever that looks like in our lives, would you help us take the next step? Would you help us reach out to a mentor to invest in us? Would you help us commit to, to maybe memorizing uh, scripture like, we, like maybe we heard in a workshop? Would you help us to, uh, uh, to plan uh, how, how, to, how to build prayer into our life? Would you help us to, to think about how to have that conversation with that friend or family member that you know you want us to have? I pray that we would, uh, we would trust you so much um, that even if it's scary, uh, we would take steps of faith. 
And we just trust um, that as we do that, uh, you will be with us always. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also leave us a review. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.